big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. This is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we are talking about the very juicy subject of separation anxiety. Now, Lael, I think you said there were a few people contacting us around this. Yeah, I got lots of messages through Instagram and um, Facebook of questions, I think from listening to our other podcasts around how do I handle this or can you speak about this more? And it definitely, look, I know this from my in-person sessions, Marion, and I'm sure you do too, that when kids are little, this is often a really big topic that comes up or something that parents really struggle with, that that element of separation, you know, particularly when kids are going to daycare or kindergarten or even to school, it can still be a really big story for some children. So, and as we were just um, having a chat before we started recording that this is a universal thing really, uh, you know, because we work with people all over the world um, who have this similar kind of theme that comes up and so much of it has got to do with, you know, our own stories and, and the way we were raised. So to start off with, as we dive into this juicy topic, um, Marion is going to give her beautiful maps and stories around how this all, um, you know, what, what happens around separation. So do you want to begin with that? Yes. And, you know, as I was saying before when we were chatting that coming from a, a background in psychology and developmental psychology, I've been really interested to see that you know originally separation anxiety was a particular term used in psychology it was used to a really natural normal thing that happens from about roughly five months and differs in every baby to about 18 months where um, babies and toddlers prefer to be with people they know they um, cling they protest about separation so that was seen as a really normal developmental stage and what I've noticed is that separation anxiety is now used a lot just in general terms really to mean that a child has feelings around separation so it's really changed the meaning and you know I love maps and models don't you (laughs) so I would really love to bring in Aletha Salter who developed and created Aware Parenting her wonderful map which really fits with so many elements of Aware Parenting I think such a helpful thing to to think through every time if you're trying to work out what's going on to actually think through this list of three things so the reason for our children's behavior is often one of these one or or more than one of these three things so the first thing is their need for information or basically you know what they're understanding about what's happening the second one being their needs in the here and now and the third one being past painful fit well painful feelings from the past which have accumulated and are showing up so if we think about this in terms of separation anxiety if we think about information uh, and i think so I'd love for us to have a conversation about each one of these, Lel, but because um, we were talking about what can often happen and what parents can be told in kind of daycare situations or kinder or wherever you are in the world, whatever it's called, play school, <laughs> preschool, kindergarten mm-hmm. and school, that often when children um, are going to these places, parents will often be told you know just leave just leave or just or they're happy just go or you know they're really fine once you leave and there's not really understood that this piece around 
actually children understanding what's happening and being given information because this information piece is so important for children to know that you know we are coming back that we're coming back at a particular time that what's going to happen you know as much information as possible Mm. to prepare them for whatever this new um separation is going to be and you know particularly for babies and small children really understanding what they understand around separation you know so for a baby they don't understand time so if we leave them alone and they're on their own and they're crying, they don't have that sense of, you know, mom or dad's going to come back that for them, that seems endless. Mm. So, you know, that changes over time, but you know, for young children, still time is, they're still before they even learn a concept of time. If we may say we're coming back in two hours, that may mean nothing to them. So it's really one of the key things is really giving them information about what's happening and how long we're going to be away and in a way that really they can understand. So it may be even like having a clock on the wall, it's, you know, whatever it is, but really understanding that one of the reasons children can be reluctant or can have big feelings around separation really normally and naturally is that they don't know (laughs) that we're coming back. So I'd love to hear some your thoughts around that. Yeah. And look, I, I think about that too. If you were the child, yes, you were in taken to a place which was kind of familiar and there was new toys on the ground. You thought, oh, that's cool. I want to go and play that. Yes. And then there was no goodbye. And all of a sudden you're looking for your parent. That, that does create this frantic element that's often like, where are they? And yes. when are they coming back? And then yes. when you are with them, when you're not even at kinder or play, you know, play group or wherever you are, there's always this panic of, are you going to leave again? And not yes. to so yes. that often becomes even, it kind of amps up the, the separation anxiety, particularly if we don't have that saying goodbye. Yes. And I'd also add too, even with baby, little ones that are nonverbal, you know, yes. children understand yes. our energy babies do. And yeah. we're big on talking to babies and little ones and telling them what's happening because even though they may not be able to speak back, you know, that is even just the respect of telling them what we're doing, but this is what's going to happen I see that makes a huge difference for little ones as well, yes. just giving them that information. And a lot of the times, you know, I've worked with parents, you know, when they know it's upsetting for their child, you know, if you are going to go to nannies for the afternoon and the ch- child's like, I don't want to go, you know, and, and the parents like, well, I won't talk about it then because then they'll get upset you know actually it's far more beneficial to be able to say to your child you know you're going to go to nannies for the afternoon and you're going to be there for three hours and the mummy's going to come and pick you up and then if the child is like I don't want to go or they're crying then you have the opportunity right there and then to sit and listen to those feelings and say I hear that you don't want to go yes that must feel hard for you you know I am coming back you you're doing some beautiful work right in that moment there by listening to how they feel about it yes um so that you know then then the child is often more willing to go because they've moved what's you know what their fear or those feelings that have been sitting there i'm yes. jumping on a little bit but um in that but really again that just i i think just being able to really respect our little ones and just yes. tell them, give them that information because as an adult we would absolutely want to be to know as well yes. you know we say to our partners when are you going to be home <laughs> like what time yes. Is yes. <laughs> if they go oh, i don't know or you know well they don't tell you you're like you know that's frustrating so yeah I think for little ones, it's really important as well. So, yeah, that information piece is really, really important. And it also builds trust because if we tell them something and then, you know, we we do come back in those three hours and it is as we told them, then that builds that trusting element that they're like, yes, okay, mum or dad does what I, you know, what 
they're saying they're going to do. Yes, and that they will come back in that yes. set period of time. So, yeah, yes. so important, isn't it, information? And mm. I really love that about Aware Parenting, how it really understands how key that is for, mm. as you say, for babies and children, to, so that they actually have an understanding of what's happening. And there can be ways, uh, you know, one of our colleagues, um, Emma, she made some some beautiful um, resources for parents and teachers, didn't she? Yes, I wonder we will we put might, a link to it. Yeah, we'll add for that. To really, so good. To, so good about really preparing children so that when they are going to be going to whatever it is that they're going to, that they mm. that we actually give them time and we give them information. And mm. uh, you know, I remember when she was going through that experience herself. I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning, but you know, some of the ideas about showing them pictures and having a little book with the place that they're going to and you're just really talking to them about it so that they really have that understanding and and I love as you talk about that as we're sharing that information if they have feelings about it that we can be there and listen to the feelings rather than waiting for them to you know that we've already left and the feelings show up with someone who maybe isn't so comfortable with with Mm. listening to their feelings so it's Mm. such a wonderful thing. Yes, absolutely. So what was the second thing you wanted so to do? The second more? thing is needs. So again, thinking about um, the needs of a baby or child. So the needs for, for safety, for familiarity, for um, to be understood, mm-hmm. um, for um, security, all these kinds of things, really, really basic human needs. And, you know, again, to think about it, if we by the time we spend a lot of time with our baby or child, so we get to know their cues, we get to be able to understand what they're saying, particularly if a child is nonverbal or they're still learning language and perhaps they, they, you know, they don't speak as clearly. And so actually being around someone who really understands them and really, again, honouring those needs in children, knowing that, it, that those are things to really take into account. So giving them time to get to know the new carer or whoever it is that they're going to be with so that they get to build that connection, that relationship. That's a core thing Mm -hmm. that they have that need for connection. They have that need met that they're going to be understood that that person actually knows, you know, when they're trying to communicate something that that person can actually understand what they need. And again, if we think about it from their perspective, can you imagine being left somewhere and maybe speaking, you know, just being dropped in some foreign country, some other country, it speaks a completely different language and just not being able to communicate what we, what we need and what we want and how it'd yeah, be probably quite scary and confusing and frustrating. And so really um, giving them time so that they get to connect with the, the person or the, the people that are going to be cared for, or and if they're not going to be to understand, they're going to have feelings around that yeah. because those needs aren't going to be met. Yes. And look, that's one of the really tricky things, I think, in things like daycare or kindergarten or school even, is that, you know, there's often one carer who's having to look after a lot of children. Yes. And so, you know, they sometimes do not have the capacity to be able to sit and really listen to the child, to hold them. But I also think that, you know, simple ways of connecting with a child speak volumes of getting down on their level looking them deep in the eye acknowledging them opening your heart to them you know gently offering touch like those kind of things where there's that warmth and that I see you and it's okay for you to be upset even if you've got a few kids that you're looking after is absolutely possible yes done um which a child will then feel you know and is more willing usually then to be in that situation where they feel that warmth or they feel like they're being seen Yes. And I think really seeing that children are so, they're so plugged into the emotional world, aren't they? That's the world that they live in. So if, they, if there's a person who that, that perhaps is, is really stressed, you know, the adult is going to look after them or 
that person isn't very attuned or not doesn't really connect in with them they're, they're going to be feeling that and they're going to be communicating that with us so again it's really having this respect for children even from a very young age that they're picking up all kinds of information and um, you know, taking that into account when they have feelings around being left with people. And ideally, and I know we live in a culture that it's, it can be really hard sometimes to get support and, um, you know, but ideally if, if we are leaving our child with someone that we're taking into account those cues and those, and those clues and, and hopefully finding someone where there is a sense of achievement or where they feel that sense that they, they are willing to be left. And they'll often, you know, give us those cues by you know if we we're doing a gradual thing ideally of leaving them for a little bit longer each time or actually you know being with them for the first few times until until they have that sense of knowing that person and yes. knowing that person's going to be connected and attuned and mm. and, um, and i've said to many parents you know when we've done sessions around this and the, and the parent has said i just i you know i just don't know if they're the right caregiver or you know they're yes. the right person and I always say you need to really trust your gut. Yeah, yes. you know, if your child is giving you these signs and there's something there that says this doesn't feel okay yeah. for me. And and I think this is where I see parents struggle a lot is, and this is more I've seen just the more of the childcare, kinder and school settings, is carers, again, full respect to them for doing a job. Oh, yes, yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes the standard line is they'll be fine, you know, don't worry about it. And and we'll often kind of sometimes take a, a, a really a crying, upset child from a parent's arms and and just go, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And sometimes, you know, just using distraction or using other things to try and make the child okay. And, yes. and again, I think because a lot of people don't have other tools to work with within that. And yeah that sometimes for a lot of parents is like it doesn't feel okay for me and that's mm -hmm. where again referencing back to Emma's really wonderful resource you know which she has written for kindergartens and schools you know she has so many wonderful ideas that you can actually take to people who care for children in your school or kindergarten and say hey would you be willing to try a few of these things out yes what I want to do in in maybe even guiding those people that are looking after your kids with some other ideas around how that could actually look such a good resource yes <laughs> I know so often I get <laughs> so that you know that is something again I think where parents feel a bit torn because they're being told oh no no it's fine but something in their gut says it yes. doesn't actually feel that fine and my child's not presenting that it's actually fine and, and yes. it's very confusing and, and I often feel a lot of parents feel they really doubt themselves on how that should look you know and that's it's really tricky when there's pressure where you have to go to work or you have to do things you know it's it's you know it's really hard parenting when you know that maybe that doesn't feel right for your child yet you've still got to go to work and, and yes. I just encourage parents to say you know it is okay to shop around or to really put out there to find people that really do hold your child in the way that you want, you know, and yes. you sometimes have to be open to possibilities of how that could look. It could be a friend. It could yes. be, I don't know, relative. It could be, you know, there's many yeah. possibilities, but really being open or I guess tuning into, does this really feel right? You know, do I, am I leaving my child knowing that they're going to be really seen and held in the way that I want to? Yes. Yeah. So it's that, um, that dual focus, isn't it? It's really listening to ourselves and really listening to our children. So that, which is so different in this culture, isn't it? It's like to really actually so deeply listen because we know, we know, you know, in our heart and our gut, don't we? Mm. And so the third thing that can bring up. So, and then the third thing, which can often be 
um, one of the biggest things, which is that there are pent up painful feelings around separation that are showing up. And there are at least four ways that, that, I'm, that I've made a little note of that I think can happen. So one of them, which can be a little bit tricky to understand, is that um, the feelings around separation. So this can often show up really earlier on. I'm sure you've seen many parents with this. Well, I certainly have where... Um, where let's say it's a you know traditional family i know most families a lot of families are not like this anymore but it's a mum and a dad and perhaps the mum's been more of the caretaker but the dad is there and available and the child often um pushes away the dad or cries with the dad when the mum's not around or leaving and i think often um you know, of course, sometimes it can be if the dad isn't really not available or there's something else going on, but often it can be because as mothers, we may have distracted our babies from their feelings and that might have been through breastfeeding them or it might have been just, you know, just, of course, wanting them to be happy and just distracting them. And and what can, that can do is it can make it harder for our children to express their feelings with us because they you know they've connected that all those times that we've you know in the most with the most loving intentions but we've just distracted them when they actually had some painful feelings to tell us and so sometimes that can show up as then yes you know crying with with someone that they know like their dad or you know people that they clearly actually enjoy being with and like but there's crying showing up and yes. and again I think there's really not understood that that is actually because they're feeling, feeling freer to cry with them and mm. you know for me I always think it's really important to not hit ourselves with emotional sticks around this that's so um, normal and natural and just almost everyone does it <laughs> and um, but just to understand that this can be one of the reasons why children will tend to cry more mm. with others Mm, do you want to understand anything about that now? Yeah, I, I see that too. That's a big thing. And, and we've talked about that in some of our other uh, podcasts really around play and stuff like that when there is, you know, they only want mum or they only want dad. And yes. then you know, the other parent can often feel really affronted by that and think it's more about them. But again, it's, um, or, or again, how it presents, it's always looking a bit behind the behaviour and yes. what is free for the child to be expressed in those moments. So that's it's something that comes up for a lot of families, definitely around yes. other people. Yeah. yeah. And I think often uh, I found, I'm sure you have too, is our, our last podcast on reparenting ourselves. Often it's inner children that show up. You know, if, you're, mm-hmm. if your child is saying, no, I don't want to play with you or go away, I want to be with mummy or daddy or is, you know, our own little children who, who maybe didn't get, uh, you know, mum or dad wasn't there when we needed them or, you know, childhood, childhood memories of other kids, you know, all those kinds of things can show up. So that can be time to really go away and, actually look at that if we're having a big reaction <laughs> so, mm. what's going on for me <laughs> yes, totally totally mm. yeah so so there's that one what else what else so the other thing can be is uh if a child has had previous separations which uh you know and that can be even straight after birth even if they've been taken away straight after birth even if it was just for five minutes or you know there are separations or even emotional separations and of course this can happen just when we're stressed or you know we're just not really available and we're not present or Perhaps we didn't explain things. And so, you know, the wisdom of the psyche is that when, a, for all of us, but we're talking about children here. So when, they, when they're facing separation again, what happens is those old feelings around separation that didn't ever get to be expressed and lovingly heard are showing up to be expressed and lovingly heard now. So that's why, in particular, you know, if, if, um, 
you know, a child, particularly as a baby, they've had longer separations or perhaps, you know, like my experience, I can share for hours about this, having been in an incubator for the first few weeks of my life. I can tell you that separations for years would connect me in with a lot of big feelings, grief, you know, big, big grief and big, big feelings. And that's the wisdom of our psyche. So again, really understanding if a child is having lots of big feelings around the separation. Yes, of course, we want to check in with all those other things, the information, the needs and so on. But this can be something to be holding in our mind and our consciousness if they have had an earlier separation. Perhaps this is them actually expressing those feelings and our capacity to be with them and to listen and to let them know that we are there and we're listening can actually, they can be healing from, you know, these, these even quite traumatic experiences from the past. Absolutely. Yes, that's, a, I mean, that's a very familiar one for me. You know, I am, um, you know, my older two children, when they went to kindergarten, it really wasn't tricky, too tricky separating. It was totally fine. But by the time I got to my third child, yes, you know, our separation stuff was really big and it played out in a big way, which it speaks to what you've just spoken of, Marion. You know, my my daughter was spent the first, you know, four days of her life in a coma. Um, you know, I didn't get to touch or hold her until she was a week old. You know, she wasn't expected to leave. There was, you know, she had a really big entry into the world. And so we had a lot of separation and a lot of intervention that went on. And um, so when I did finally get her home when she was a baby, I just held her as close to me as I possibly could. <laughs> like I was like, yep. I'm never letting you go. Yes. And when the time came for her to go to kindergarten, wow that was really really big because what happened was we had to separate and it on two levels it was very interesting because we went and she was really excited to go I remember on the first day and then and then I thought oh, this is great and I left her and then the second day was just like nah I'm I'm never going back again and so many tears and she couldn't she didn't want to go and so I actually stayed at kinder with her for like a whole term or something I was just sitting in the corner I was there like it was really big to separate even though I had done a lot of listening to feelings and then the second part what I realized is actually it was very hard for me to let her go as well so we were doing this really beautiful dance together where she's like it's not safe for me to go and I'm also energetically saying yeah it's not safe for you to go so it was never going to be safe (laughs) (laughs) And, and then I had to realize oh I really need to look at some of what messages I'm giving to her and how I feel about that so I had to do a lot more crying like I I do remember on the day I finally went well I really need to hold for her that this is actually okay for you to go and you're safe here and she was at a really beautiful kindergarten and I left and she was crying one of the teachers was beautiful just held her and listened and I walked into the um (laughs) to the the manager's office and I literally just fell on the floor and sobbed (laughs) in the fetal position (laughs) and she knew me and she just kind of stroked my hair while I just cried and cried yes this really big piece of this journey that we'd gone through which was you know three and a half years earlier yes and from that moment when I really let that part go and and really made it clear to Tally it's actually okay for you to be here and and I'm ready to let you go then she was happy to go and we never had any other issues that came up from that so you know in two pieces in that was it was big for her working through parts of her story which she has continued to do and me, you know the other part of what messages are we giving our children around separating and that's a really big thing because for a lot of parents I work with 
you know, when they are saying goodbye to the child, you know, their own stories coming up around, you know, being separated from when they were little, it doesn't feel safe for them to let their child go. And so that's the energy the child is getting. So of course the child's not going to be like, actually, it's a really good thing for me to go to kinder or it's a really good thing for me to go to school. Yes. The energy they're reading from the parent is this is not safe or this doesn't feel okay. And that that's a really equally big part of the whole separation is absolutely tuning into yourself as the parent you know, how do I feel about this separation? What comes up for me? Where am I sitting in this? And and as always, important to do our own work so we then hold it for our child. Yes, absolutely. And those, so those are the last two points I was going to add is then our own listening to ourselves. The first bit that you mentioned before is really actually, and, and that can be a hard thing to differentiate sometimes, and that can be part of the work, isn't it? Is if we've got feelings around separation, is this because actually we're tuning into something and this actually isn't a, an environment that we feel comfortable for our children to be in? And then that's, you know, going and looking elsewhere and doing doing the work around that. Or the second piece is, is it our own feelings around separation that are coming up to be heard and healed? So yes. that can be quite a thing to untangle and and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so important that inner work, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's a big thing, you know, especially I think when, you know, a lot of parents who we work with are more kind of classic attachment parents who have kept their little ones really close and, you know, they they wear them on their bodies and breastfeed and co-sleep and all that beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous attachment and connection that we have, which is really, you know, just divine. That can also feel really big when we stretch a little bit or when our children, we have to let our kids go a little bit as well. It is such a big thing, the letting go of our children. And And it doesn't just happen when they start to go to kinder and, you know, and then at school, it happens when they then start high school and then it just it happens when they're big and they go overseas. It's a continuous process of the letting go of a, a child and, and it's, you know, of our attachment to it as well. Exactly. You know, it really is. It's profound. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, as a homeschooling mother, it's been a bit a different journey. And I certainly see as part of that has been my own separation hurts have contributed to that story. So, you know, I think often our own, their own uh, unhealed pieces around separation can sometimes mean that either we kind of push our child out too quickly or, you know, push them out in a way that we don't, we're not listening to their feelings because of our own painful feelings. That we, yes. that of course, we don't want to listen to because it's painful. Yeah. Or we do, which I've certainly done, is you know hold on to them too much in ways that are not helpful for them too as well. But they'll, you know, they clearly let us know. <laughs> my, my daughter <laughs> clearly lets me know that. So um, I think it's really also holding ourselves with lots of compassion around this separation yeah. piece because I do, you know, I love to always go big picture and also look yeah. at our cultural thing is that, you know, a lot of the things that we, you know, that we're going through and we experience, they're really a, a part of this culture here that we wouldn't experience if we were living in a more community orientated culture you know people would it would just be different so you know it's big and most of us have been through painful separation uh, either you know when we were babies in hospital whatever it was and we didn't get to have our feelings heard around it and so it's really normal and natural to have big feelings Mm -hmm. to find this tricky at times to to feel big feelings in response to our children's big feelings, which may even be also frustration or, or like, I don't know, all kinds of things. But 
Yeah. So I just had a thought right yes. then as, as we were talking and I shared that story about Tali today for the first time, she caught public transport on her own. Oh, school. wow. <laughs> yeah, so in the city and she's 11. So she's yes. young and she's yes. in great city. But she's like, Mum, my friends are going to meet me at the tram stop and I want to catch the tram. And I was like, whoa, okay, do you feel ready for that? And she looks at me, she's like, I am so ready for this. And (laughs) my other two kids were much older when that kind of started to happen. But she's asking for that freedom now. She's a third child, but she's, you know, a lot older than her years. But she was really asking for it. And, you know, I checked in with myself and my husband were like, how do we feel about this? And they're like, she's she's great. She's ready. And I just kind of you know how would what would you do if this situation happened or how would you feel about that and she just was like I love that her response was I was like if you're on the tram and you feel worried or somebody's you know sitting next to you don't like or you just feel unsure what do you do and she goes you go and find the mummers <laughs> so her answer is you go and find <laughs> like a mum yes and you say, can you help me and yeah. I was like that's oh, amazing that's so beautiful that's I love that. that now as we're talking about it yes those separations you know which is not yes. separation anxiety but yes. the continuous separations out exactly that our children ask of us the divine yeah. And you know, I love what you're bringing in there is, is, is that thing for listening for children around is whatever is going on for them around separation and individuation. Is it, is it their own natural um, timing or are there some past feelings around separation here showing up? And, you know, the other thing I want to bring on the, on the other side, which I find really helpful is the highly sensitive child information. So I found this so helpful to understand myself and my mum and my children is that the highly sensitive children often they're a little bit slower to want yes. to separate and then often can be a bit like I talked to lots of parents uh, lots of parents with highly sensitive children drawn to me and mm. often there's that sense of you know they'll never they'll never want to actually just even play at the park on their own or go and join in with a group of children and mm. and what I've really loved is is seeing for my children they have been much slower to want to do things um but they do they do in their own time and they absolutely came to that point where like you know actually i really want to do that and then i really want to do that and i really want to do that so for me it's also really trusting a child's timing when we're doing whatever we can to make sure we're listening to as many feelings they have around separation and loss and all of that but that you know some children are much happier really early to separate and other children uh not and will take much longer and so it's really doing whatever we can to listen into is this their natural is this their natural unfolding timing of their individuation or is there something else going on here either that's mine that's Mm -hmm. getting in the way of that natural unfolding or is actually some of the painful feelings of theirs that's actually getting away of that natural beautiful unique timing I love that you brought up that bit because that's a really big thing, that that element of trusting that your child will move when they're ready to move. Yes. And, again, we get a lot of pressure from society of, like, you know, he's, he's very shy, you know, or your child's like this, and we're just like, actually, they're really amazing and perfect. Yes. They're, just, they're just doing it in their own time. And that can be exactly. so hard as a parent as well yes. to not take yeah. that on board. Of, And every child is completely different. You know, I, yes. I think my son was always just has always been out there in the world he just who his, his personality yeah. is i'm going to try everything and do it <laughs> with my middle child she was 
really, really wanted to stay super, super close for the first five, six years of her life and really didn't speak to many people and was really, really just intensely, you know, wanting to be in my kind of orbit. And then she kind of got to seven or eight and just went, oh, here I am. And that's when she decided to blossom. So, again, it is so trusting in their own beautiful timing, isn't it, of they are. Yeah, I, I was really thinking for me, because we didn't have school, but my daughter has been doing ballet since she was two, and she's now 17. And you know, I remember similar to your memories is like for the first, I, I think, whole term or six months or something, I was I was in there, I was doing the ballet too, with all the little toddlers. Yeah. And, yeah. and for the last, and for, for us, you know, this separation showed up around ballet. So we, whenever she's doing her Christmas show, she started actually saying, I don't want you to come and watch rehearsals. Mm. I don't want you to watch any rehearsals. And I could really feel, I remember I talked to you about it. I was like, oh no. And I could really see how I was, you know, I was actually wanting to share some limelight by being the kind of ballet mum and look at my wonderful daughter who's doing this gorgeous ballet. And I needed to go through some of my own feelings around really letting her, um, you know, do things in her own time. So, you know, it can be easy to think when your child's little because we do live in this culture that really doesn't understand attachment, does it? It's really all about um, in getting children to be independent early and actually yes. the way they get to be truly interdependent really is by really listening to their own timing, trusting them and listening to their feelings around separation so that when they separate out, it's a true, it's a true individuation rather than a kind of... A separation where they actually need to do things in themselves that aren't so helpful for them. Yes, oh, I love all of that. I love that. It was really important for me in building our school that, particularly for children, because we're only having the first. Leo, do you have a school? <laughs> you, have a school. you can find it at Woodland Primary. But that one of the big components that I wrote into our policies was really around drop-offs and really. Yes, I'd love to hear what you children. So for me, it's not um, if a child has got feelings and yes. doesn't want to separate. Um, that we do have a staff member there to listen and hold space for them but we also really check in with the parent how does it feel for you is there anything yes. coming up for oh you oh my god so amazing <laughs> yeah to be able to hold them both so that we can transition yes. because the goal of the school is all about connection and yes. so knowing for a parent too that if a child does have some feelings they're going to be held by a teacher or someone who's on our staff who really gets that and can hold that space for the child. So mm-hmm. we help facilitate that healing for them as they are, you know, at school. So, you know, and, and I know that in the beginning when we first start, there, there will probably be a lot of that. Yes. And making sure that wow. we have people available to hold that for the children. So we don't have, you know, any of that taking kids when they don't feel ready, oh, you know, really yes. trusting a child's, um, movement you know for me that first month is really trusting a child's ability to find their place yes. in what this looks and feels like for them without pressure oh my god I'm so excited I, I hope that becomes like a worldwide policy because you know I've had just just spoken to so many parents over the years where yeah their child's been taken from there or they've been told they have to leave 
you know, all kinds of things. And do you know what I was thinking is as well, I know often, and you know, my heart goes out to, to people working in daycare and schools and things, because I think the fear is often if one child's actually given the space to cry, that literally probably every child is going to feel into that, you know, that separation. Of course, they, you know, we love being with our mum and dad. And I, I can just imagine with such a beautiful sense of there being a lot of crying happening. And how okay. wonderful that they all get to be there and be held in that yes in that in those fears oh my gosh so yes yes and I I, look I really love that point you bring up it's really hard in our modern day and age because we still live in this really behaviorism paradigm and the good bad thing and there's something wrong with your child if they're upset or that you know like and just it's really tricky and again I absolutely have so much admiration for people who work with children you know a lot who know that that's not really what they want to do but it's very hard they're not supported to do it in another way and that's really challenging yeah Yeah, there aren't the resources there there's not enough staff there isn't enough money there isn't enough (laughs) all of that stuff so Yes. yes but even you know if we do have people who work with kids you know I would just say there's so many simple things you still can do which is about eye contact and just slowing yourself down a little bit to connect in with them and to just validate what you are seeing yes, yes, I see yes. how hard it is to say goodbye to mummy I see that you know and I can be with you and help you with that and even if you don't have 20 minutes to listen to their crying to just yes. let them know I'm here you know in whatever yes. capacity I can be and that exactly. that can make a difference of safety for a child such a huge difference even just simply I, I you know I see how upset you are because you know in so many again I've just heard so many stories of you know kids being told you know stop crying or you shouldn't cry or you know if you stop crying I'll give you a <laughs> you know you get to play with this toy or or a punishment if you keep on crying you won't get to do you know and and what that does to children can you know so painful we want to help our children stay connected with their feelings and you know the wonderful thing about this is you know and I've really found this through personal experience of having that early separation is the more we can listen to a baby and a child's feelings around loss whatever that is and that this isn't just around going to a kinder or school but the, the inevitable losses that are going to happen the pets that die you know the the all the things that happen in life is the more we can hear their grief and their loss and be with them while they're crying and really honor that those are beautiful feelings to have the actually the freer they are to actually have an open heart and to go out into the world and be willing to have new experiences because what happens is when we don't hear their loss and I'm sure we've many of us have experienced this growing up in this more old-fashioned culture is then all this all this loss is sitting inside us and we and we're scared to help feel that loss so we don't risk new things we don't go out into the world that's where a lot of fear bubbles up fear and anxiety and terror even because you know we go to do these new things and all this old all these old feelings show up so actually listening to a child's tears and their loss and simply being able to honor that and meet them there is one of the most wonderful things we can do because they are not carrying the, those all of that stuff so that you know when they perhaps have you know maybe a, a breakup as a teenager with a, a boyfriend or girlfriend they're not devastated because you know any separation later on in life will we will keep on revisiting those things that we didn't get to have heard when we were a newborn when we were two when we were five whatever it was so the more that we as parents can listen to these feelings earlier on, you know, that affects our child's whole life, their relationships, their capacity to go out in the world and, and do what they love. You know, it's just 
astonishingly important. Mm, so incredible, isn't it? So yes. incredible. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. <laughs> Don't you love aware parenting? <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, we often, oh yeah, yeah, amazing. amazing. Um, <laughs> So let's let's share with our beautiful listening audience mm. around some strategies that you can yes. use to really help if your child does have separation. You know, yes. so we haven't we haven't really talked about play. So in a way, parenting is a beautiful form of it's not just listening to feelings. It's not just connecting and meeting needs. Mm. It's not just not using punishments and all of that. It's also about attachment play. So um, Aletha Salter's written a wonderful book, Attachment Play, and one of the whole forms of attachment play, there are many forms, are separation games. And separation games are really basically designed to help babies and children release feelings around separation so that they can feel more comfortable with it. And that's right from, from really early on. Peekaboo is a separation game. It's when a baby is forming what we call we used to call object permanence which basically means understanding that even when we don't see mummy or daddy mummy or daddy are still still exist I mean literally that's a developmental thing they're going through so when we do a little bit of just hiding behind the hand for a moment and they laugh laughter is releasing fear like oh is you know are they really still there mm-hmm. all those kinds of games that are really helping with that do you want to? I'm sure you have a gazillion game. Um, yes. Well, a classic one that, and the more you know, as kids get older, it's hide yes. and seek. Like, yes, hide and seek is yes. such a great game. I'm That's here and then I'm away, and then I'm here and then I'm away. And I find if you can play hide and seek with your little ones, and this can be with two, three, four, five year olds, even bigger kids, yes. that um, play it where you know they might, if you can do it like as a three, you know, and I was going to say that hide. generally they need to be with someone else generally when they're little, yeah. You know, they, so you might be hiding and your partner and your little one will come and find you. And then, you know, when they find you, what you're wanting is big laughter reaction. Like you could get a big fright that they found you. And that <laughs> laughter is a, yeah, is such a great way for the child to release some stress and feelings around that and taking yes. in terms of working with the child to go and find, you know, the parent. And I heaps of parents say this to me. I found this with my own kids is that when they had been at kinder or school or daycare, they wanted to play hide and seek when they got home. Like it was just, they naturally just asked for it they were like let's play hide and seek because they knew that's what they needed to do to you know um make more sense of what was going on in their being and also just you know process what was happening for them so you know there's that beautiful thing that we always talk about is children know what they need to do to come back into balance to to make sense of what's happening for them so when you have been separated from your child you could say what do you want to play or just watch what they move to playing can be really wonderful ways that I'm here and gone all those kind of things can be so beautiful yeah Mm. Yep. Um, have you got other other suggestions? About well, game? sometimes role plays can be helpful as well, and this also can be just really trusting a child. Set up the scenario. Maybe they get to be the the um, you know the daycare person, whoever it is, and you get to play them and see what they play. That they may find power reversal games start coming up. They might be saying things to you, and you mm. kind of responding in a little bit of a silly, goofy way. So, mm. again, really trusting that when we open the space up, they will and yes. if they respond they they know exactly they know what they need and they yeah. will try and yeah. do that whether it's crying whether it's yeah. 
peekaboo type game you know even peekaboo type things where you you know maybe you're carrying them on your back and you say where's jimmy where's jimmy go i'm sure i saw him a minute ago hey did you see leo did you see jimmy i'm sure he was here and then turn around there he is yes absolutely and other beautiful games too particularly if there's that separation stuff coming up with you know not wanting to go to dad or or somebody else you know is having a tug of war over your child is a beautiful game you know where you both hold one hand and like she's mine she's mine game yes i want her (laughs) love that game they love it because you're both like they're going we're just she's mine i want to love on her and they love that you know they often will giggle giggle heaps around those kind of things so i do want to say though some for some children you know when we we're talking about where parenting we're talking about the balance of attention so for some children particularly if they have had some like really big separations you may find you're playing a game and they actually start crying. So it's really important yeah. to listen to into each individual child. I know children around the She's Mind game, even where it's just been, that's actually helped them really connect with the big feeling. So it's always really important with the touch and play. Not every game, not every touch and play game works, works in inverted commas for every child. So it's really about 100%. playing with it, trying out, seeing they'll probably come up with their own versions. You'll come up with different versions. It's really, it's about playing with the yes. games and seeing what happens and observing. yeah, <laughs> and, yeah i was saying just yes. watch with curious eyes how are they responding what's their body doing are they laughing freely you know and again sometimes it's even around fears when a child has a big fear or phobia playing games around that sometimes yeah. you've got to be really careful about yes. the nuances of it you yes. know that it doesn't become you know what we're looking for is laughter and that freedom and that laughing and that releasing you know and and if it does move to tears then an opportunity to really hold that space for those tears to come knowing that that's also really good so it is yes being curious and watching and i always just find you know if you're sitting there going i have no idea what to play then just be available to your child and they will show you yes you know like games like this you know even sometimes children you know when there's been birth trauma and stuff like that they'll set up cubbies that are like you know they have to come out of something you know they come out of the roof or they've got to crawl their way out you know using their head you know there's things that if you just give your child the space and make yourself available to connect in with them they will often show you what they need to do to work through what they're what's happening for them Yes. And I love you bringing that in that they may, they may have birth themes showing up around that next separation. So you may find they suddenly want to play babies or they do what we call regression play. So they actually want to pretend to be younger and again, really important to meet them there and actually play the younger games. Oh, it's my little baby. Look at their little toes, you know, really meeting them, really just so trusting children. They suddenly want to climb under your jumper and come out and just say, I'm here. Then, you know, and you, we can hold in mind look they're doing some rebirthing again and i'm so glad that you're here sweetheart you know really it's such a wonderful thing isn't it because it's so deeply trusting of children it's so deeply respectful of Mm -hmm. them and it's all about us really providing that support and that connection to really work with and cooperate their nat- with their natural healing mechanisms totally totally oh. i love it and and so you know with as we've been talking about the play which is beautiful ways to help move feelings but again of course as we've mentioned throughout this whole podcast <laughs> to, um to really listen when you know like as i mentioned right in the beginning if we say we're going to kinder today or whatever and they start crying i don't want to go you know really being able to drop in and just listen to their feelings around that yes. because that's allowing them to offload it yes. before they actually get there 
you know, and then even whilst, if there is still tears whilst they get there, hopefully connecting in with someone who's taking care of them who can sit and listen to their tears as well. You know, I know some mums have actually just stayed for 10 or 15 minutes and just moved to a different part of wherever the room is and just listened while their child really did cry. And when the child was finished, the the child was ready to go, you know, and, and be there, you know, or a care, you know, somebody else could really listen as well. And then, of course, when you come back together again, you know, how that could look as well if maybe there is more feelings there that they need to listen to and 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 i would really offer parents it's not going to be forever like i think the thing with this is <laughs> so overwhelming that this is what's going to happen yes. every time they have to go to daycare and yes. it's really heartbreaking and yes. i really want to offer parents that if we can get our piece in the bigger picture and we can really use some of these strategies to help our children it is not going to be forever it's just them working through something and you know I, I have yeah I have beautiful many beautiful stories of mums who tell me months later if you have if you had ever said to me that my child would be jumping out of the car skipping into kinder I would never have believed you you know but having mm. working with through some of these things the the child is able to shift what they've been carrying and it's amazing you know what what can move yeah and I have two thoughts so one is when I, I laughed because I'm thinking you know <laughs> my daughter really I like I would so love for her to be like yeah, all the time wanting to be with me. She doesn't. Of course she doesn't. That's so natural and normal. I think it can be so um, helpful to remember that, that in the longer term, it's, you know, things will often turn around and we're, we're just like, <laughs> we're like, no, oh, my God, I get to hang out with them. Oh, it's so wonderful. <laughs> oh, my God, I love you so much. The <laughs> <laughs> so separation becomes ours, really. <laughs> yeah, it swaps around the other way. So just make most of it. Um, the other thing I was, I was going to say is, you know, the wonderful thing is if we listen to their feelings and, you know it can be really great as well to you know extend the period of time that we have to get ready and to be with them and to listen to the things before they go and to just imagine what the difference it makes for a child who is then separated from us that they are not then needing to hold on to these big load of feelings which you know if we, we all know if we're holding on to a big load of feelings we need to tense up we need to you know we're not as available and, and as present and we can it can feel really uncomfortable hanging on to loads of unexpressed feelings and you know just for them in terms of their their actual spending that that time wherever it is that they're spending time they're just going to feel more relaxed they're going to be more easy going to make more connections with other people they're going to actually feel the connection with other people more mm-hmm. it's just so much more enjoyable in our bodies if we're not hanging on to a load of unexpressed grief and loss basically yes that's it that's it Ah, <sighs> <laughs> there is an answer. <laughs> to some of the big things I do love it. I, you know, I, I love to you know the journey of each child. What it well for me at least through my children has yes. through these big stories. They've all shown me something different. You know, in, in these big pieces of separation. It's yeah, it's amazing. Yes. And yeah. I mean, I would also um, add to. Um, I mentioned this in one of our other podcasts. You know, it's often when kids are little, under five. You know, that the separation thing is usually pretty big. And and then, you know, as they move into, you know, six plus up until about 11, they usually feel pretty secure. But then as they start to move through puberty, those early signs of puberty, that separation stuff can come up for them again. So they can feel a little less reluctant to go out into the world again and want to come in close. Yes. Um, it hasn't usually got the same anxiety, but there's still different, there's similar themes that can sometimes play out with that as well as our kids grow as well. So, 
yes, we're continually, you know, we're continually learning and growing, aren't we? Yeah, and we can keep yeah. revisiting that. It can be, in, yeah. you know, leaving home can be the next yeah. turn of the cycle for us, you know, in yeah. our own journeys. We're still revisiting our own yeah. themes around separation. They, yeah. they will keep on showing up to be heard and healed and they're, you know, however many times until we yeah. do do yeah. the work do the work that's that's my hashtag do the work, do the work. <laughs> <laughs> so to finish off we would love to um we would really love to invite you to just tune into where separation sits for you yes so you know is that something you've had to journey with your child and and you know are there some things that you can implement to really help you and really where you know your own story of separation is always tuning into that Yes. Yeah. And I would love to really recommend um, actually three of Aletha Salter's books. One would be if you have a, a naught to two, I would actually be the aware baby that the last chapter is on separation and it's such a clear explanation of what's happening and what, and what, um, you know, younger children really need to actually, if, if we are needing to, for them to be cared by others also um cooperative and connected amazing book and tears and tantrums as well so mm. really great books that really go into lots of depth about yeah. lots of the things that we've talked about today yeah. and we'll also put a link to emma dumas's um yes. wonderful resource that you can actually print out and give yes. to there's so many awesome ideas in what emma's um on her website about yeah. separation stuff so we're going to put a link to that too in our show notes so you can definitely go and check out emma's stuff lots of good practical it's ideas so amazing that really and um i do have my attachment play oh so there's aletha's book as well another book of aletha's uh the attachment play book and i also have a, an attachment play course which includes separation games and all the other different types of games as well yeah um Lael does amazing sessions do you want to share anything else of yours well no i just think it, look I, I mean i i think again like we always talk about with any of our own stories is, is listening time you know so talking to a listening partner or yeah. to a friend or someone professional if you need to about what stories come up for you around the separation you know so that again you can do your work so your child's free to to do and be who they need to be so always a beautiful recommendation as well yes so to finish off i want to remind you all if you love what we're talking about we would absolutely be so grateful if you, you know, want to share our podcast with anybody or, um, you know, you can rate us on iTunes or you can subscribe so that every time we launch a new uh, podcast, you'll get a notification that says, hey, here's another. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'd love you to share the love if that feels, um, you know, if it feels like it's touched you in some way because, you know, both Marion and I have such a mission to share this information with the world don't we, we do friends? we do bringing this deep deeply compassionate understanding of babies children and adults mm, mm, yeah it's powerful stuff yeah so thank you for being here again with us we really value all your beautiful feedback and messages it just it warms both our hearts getting mm. messages how oh, much this has really impacted people i don't think we knew that it was going to do this when we started no, so like, let's wonderful, have a chat. Isn't it? yes let's have a chat together and see what happens <laughs> and it's been so Oh, it's just reaching everywhere. I get yeah. a message from someone in a different country every second day. It's so <laughs> amazing. So thank you for all your beautiful messages and stuff. It really, uh, you know, and we really welcome too. If there's something you want us to talk about, we really welcome. You know, send us a message, and we there's so many topics to explore. So yeah, we welcome that as well. Yay! Thank you so much, and so much love to you. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye. 
Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.